Psalm 119, verse 153, it says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet I do not decline from my testimonies, from thy testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. The word is true from the beginning. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, just for the wonderful testimonies that we've heard tonight, Lord, of you working in people's lives and them being grateful for it. God, help us never get in the place in our Christian life where we think we deserve it and we earned it. Lord, help us to Lord, remember, Lord, if it had not been for the grace of God, if it had not been for your mercy, your love in our life, Lord, none of this that we worshiped about, none of this that we sang about, none of this that we'll preach about tonight would even be possible. We thank you, Lord, for being God. We thank you, Lord, for sitting high and looking low. We thank you, Lord, for being almighty. Thank you, Lord, for knowing all things. Thank you, Lord, that you control and you're in power and you have all power tonight. What a blessing it is, Lord, to have a direct line, a direct link to the very God of the universe. And help us, Lord, tonight, Lord, to open up your word as we've read it tonight. Lord, help it to speak to our hearts. God, help us, Lord, to realize, Lord, it's not in man's ability or is it in man's words. But, Lord, it's through the word of God our life will be changed. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you do it one more time. I want you to work in our hearts and help us leave out of here different than where we walked in. God, help us leave out here challenged, convicted, changed, comforted, charged, God, to head into, into Monday, beginning what we'd call the work week. God, help us, Lord, to face tomorrow, knowing that we know the one who holds tomorrow. We love you, we thank you, and we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You'll find a word in here three times. It's in verse 154, 156, and 159. And it's a, it's a good Bible word. It's a word that we don't use in our, our plain talk today. It's a word that we don't uh, commonly hear. I don't think I've ever heard it outside of, outside of church, outside of biblical preaching. I, I, I wasn't, it's not something that I, when I go to the grocery store and I hear the clerk say it or, I go to the, wherever I go, or I talk amongst my family and my friends, and we, we use this word uh, in our everyday language, but it's the word quicken. You see, in 154, it says, quicken me according to thy word. Verse 156, quicken me according to thy judgments. Verse 159, quicken me, accord, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Now, that is a good biblical word, and that word quicken means to give life to. Uh, to, to sustain life or to live. And we often associate it with Ephesians chapter two, verse number one, where the Bible tells, and you hath he, and you hath he quickened that were dead in trespasses and sins, speaking about salvation. When Jesus saved me, not only were my sins forgiven, but there was life, eternal life that was thrust into me and given to me when I got saved by the grace of God. And I was dead in my trespasses. Oh, but preacher, you were alive. I seen you breathing, I heard you talking, but you gotta understand, my spirit was dead. My spirit died in the Garden of Eden. Your spirit died in the Garden of Eden when man committed sin. And we know it's been passed down from generation to generation. 
But April 3rd, 2015, that which was dead was made alive when Jesus saved me. I was given eternal life. And oftentimes that's where, when I hear that word, that's where my mind goes to. But here's the psalmist who knew the Lord, who more, you know, I would, I would, I would say tonight was saved by the grace of God, had a relationship with God, and here he is, and he's asking the Lord to quicken him. He's asking the Lord to sustain him, to give him life, to help him live. And you ask yourself, well, was he trying to get saved again? Was he trying to get born again again? No, that's not what he was trying to do. I'm glad tonight that one time is enough. I'm glad tonight that you don't have to get saved again and again and again and again and again. You have something. When you get born again by the grace of God, it's, it's an eternal work. We're sealed until the day of redemption. He's coming for us and we're looking forward to that day and I'm glad tonight to have something that I cannot lose. I'm glad tonight it's not up to me to keep it either because if you know me, if it's not attached to me, if it's not in my pockets, I have no idea where it is tonight. Right now I'm thinking, where are my keys? <laughs> I don't know where I sat them at. They're not over there. They might be on my desk tonight. So I'm glad tonight that it's not up to me to keep my salvation I got in on a covenant between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and they have promised to keep that which they have committed unto me and I'm grateful for that tonight. But here the psalmist is saying, quicken me, help me Lord, give me life. Can I say sometimes in the Christian life, though we cannot lose that eternal life and though we cannot lose that salvation that God has given to us, there's times where we are not lively. There's times where it feels like the very life has been zapped out of us. We'd call our need for that would be revival. Bringing that which is, which is wavering, that which is uh, uh, declining, and bringing it back to where it's supposed to be. And here the psalmist three times pleads with the Lord to quicken him, to give him life. But notice two out of the three but all three of them deal with the word of God. But two out of three of them are a direct plea, Lord, quicken me according to thy word. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Why would the psalmist say, Lord, quicken me according to thy word? Because he knew the permanent, excuse me, in the eternality of God's word. So now look at verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The psalmist was saying, not only was it true in the beginning, but it will always be true. He said, if there's anything that can give me life, if there's anything that can revive me, if there's anything that can pump me up, so to speak, it is the word of God because it's always been and it always will be. Can I say tonight, if there's anything we need to turn to when life has given us the greatest punch that it has, when life has knocked us down, when we're feeling tired and discouraged, if there's one place we need to turn to for encouragement, it is not necessarily what's on the radio. It is not necessarily what's coming through the television. You need to get along with God and get in his word and say, God, quicken me according to thy word. I want to give you three times we need to be quickened by the word of God tonight. Number one, we need to be quickened when my afflictions arise. Or when your afflictions arise. Look at verse 153. Here the psalmist is pouring out his I love the book of Psalms because it's real. He speaks in such a way that I can identify with. He is pouring his heart out before God. 
Now we understand tonight that the book of Psalms consisted of these psalms that they would sing and they would recite at different times and different calendar times of the year as they approached the temple and as they left the temple. But here I can hear the psalmist pouring out his heart. Verse 153 says, Consider my affliction, Lord. Lord, look where I am. Lord, look who I am. You say, well, preacher, what is an affliction? You look that word up in your concordance, it means misery. It means poverty. It's a reminder of how fallen me and you really are. Let me ask you, since you've been saved, have you been perfect? How many of us have had to face the reality that we are going to fall and mess up even after salvation? We're reminded of how fallen we really are, and it's not because the world's attacking us. It's not because God hasn't been good to us. It's not because we haven't been going to church, but we have this thing called the flesh, and we'll battle it day in and day out, and truth be told, though we may not want it to, there's going to be days where our flesh wins. Can I say some of my problems? I can't blame on anybody else but myself tonight. We call them by different names. We call them our hang-ups. We call them our shortcomings. We call them our imperfections. But when they rear their ugly head in our life, we're reminded how afflicted we really are. How, how impoverished we really are outside the grace of God. How miserable we really are outside the grace of God. That's why a saved individual can never go back into the life that God delivered them from and completely enjoy it. Because the Holy Spirit won't let you do that. You'll be reminded of what he did for you. How good he was to you. How much he changed you. But we notice here tonight, the psalmist says, Lord, consider my afflictions and deliver me. He said, for I do not forget thy law. He said, I know the word of God. I know what the Bible says. I know the truths. I know your law. And yet I still have afflictions. I still have shortcomings. I've still messed up. Those things we struggle with to the point we may even wonder, am I even saved? Because Satan will come up to you and say, well, I don't think a saved person would do that. I don't think a saved individual would do those things. And the big question you have to ask yourself is that when you do those things, do you push through Holy Ghost conviction to do it or does nothing bother you? Because Holy Ghost conviction will say, hey, you ought not to do that. And some of the lines, you ought to quench the Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit to do that which your flesh wants to do. And he said, I may even say to somebody, how does somebody go from here to there? They forgot to turn to the word of God. They forgot to allow the word of God to quicken them. And here's the thing. When you go down that path and you quit turning to the word of God, you'll turn to excuse and you'll turn to entitlement. You'll say, either say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just a sinner. No, you're a sinner saved by grace. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. He has promised to give an escape to every temptation. He's conquered sin. He dwells inside of you. But you have to appeal to him. And so you'll turn to excuse. Well, that's all, that's all I'm ever going to do. That's all I'm ever going to be. Or you'll turn to an entitlement. You'll say, I deserve this. I, I, I've earned this. I, I've earned this free pass. There was a man, he's probably one of the most, in our day, in our age, a great Christian apologist. Most people heard about him. Most people know him. His name was Ravi Zacharias. And we know he, he did much great defending of the faith. Stood in and debated with men of great logic and great understanding. 
I enjoy listening to his radio program. We know all those things that came out after he passed away. He's quoted as saying concerning adultery, he said to him, that, that lady, he said, you're my earthly reward. What, what should have stopped and said, no, this isn't right according to the word of God, he turned to entitlement. I've deserved this. And we see here tonight the psalmist saying, Lord, consider my afflictions and deliver me. Then look at verse 154. His quickening is tied to pleading. He said, plead my cause and deliver me. Now notice it was not the psalmist pleading to God for deliverance and quickening in this sense, but it was the psalmist saying, Lord, I need you more than anything else. It was God pleading for us and pleading with us to turn to him when our afflictions arise. It's not what I, Satan, or anybody else identifies me and you ask tonight, but we need it. When those things come up, when our afflictions arise, we must turn to the word of God and remember who we are in Christ. I am redeemed. I've been bought with a price. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm saved. Excuse me, I've been born again. I'm a new creature in Christ. My afflictions, yes, they're there. And the reminder of who I used to be and that old flesh is who I used to be. That's not who I am anymore. As Brother Ray sings that song, boy, if you could just look on the inside and see the change that Christ has made in me. I was dead and now I'm alive. Well, we need to deal with our afflictions by turning to the word of God to be quickened, to give life where that place is starting to fail and falter. We need to be quickened when our afflictions arise. That's number two. We need to be quickened when our adversaries assemble. When our adversaries assemble. I was writing that out. All I could think about was Transformers. Let's roll. Optimus Prime. Where are you at, TR? Transformers, right? Optimus Prime. He's like, Dad, I quit watching that show. Since I got right with the Lord. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. When our adversaries assemble, verse 155, salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies. Yet I do not decline from thy testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not Thy word. When our adversaries assemble, we have to remember tonight that they are not of the same sort. We are not of the same uh, line, so to speak. We're not of the same sort. Those who are outside of the grace of God, those who are not serving the Lord, those who are doing their own thing, so to speak, they're not in the same line as me and you who are trying our best to strive and to serve the Lord tonight. Why? Salvation is far from them. What separates me and you from a lost and dying world is salvation. It is what God has done for me and you. And so we understand that they're not of the same sort. They're not headed in the same direction. The Bible said they seek not. They seek not. Where's it at? Verse uh, 155. They seek not thy statutes. They, seek, they don't care what the Bible has to say. They don't care what the word of God has to say. And here's the thing. It's not that they just don't care. They'll attack you for believing it. They'll say you, they'll call you a whole lot of things. They'll call you bigots. They'll call you racist. They'll call you whatever they can throw in there. They'll call you. Can I say this evening? Let them call. Let them speak. Let them say whatever they want to say. I'd rather stand with the word of God than be, uh, than be popularized and to be, be a, I would say commercialized, but to be recognized by a world as a great person. 
I'd rather stick with the word of God. Because truth be told, if I got to compromise on this to get rewarded here and to have recognition here, when I stand before Christ, all that I receive from that will burn up. It will not be rewarded by Christ. We see here that they are headed in the, they're, they're not headed in the same direction. They seek not. Here's the thing, verse 157, they're collectively trying to pull you away. Can I say this world has one desire? Satan has one desire. Your flesh has one desire, and that is to pull you away from God. And here's the thing, they don't fight fair. They're not going to say, well, it's your turn, Satan. You go by yourself. Your flesh won't say, well, I'll go now. You guys take a break. The world won't wait for Satan and your flesh to get done. They'll all come at the same time. At the, at the same exact time, they'll come and they'll attack you. Look at verse 157. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies. But notice what he said. Yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. Somewhere along the line, we've borrowed this lie. When, the t- when it gets tough and it gets hard, we're to back out and to back off and to take a break Wait for everything to calm down, and then we'll get back to serving God. Do you realize tonight when we take that approach, we're literally walking right into the play of the enemy? We step back and say, you know what? I'm just gonna just gonna take it easy for a while. I mean, I ain't gonna quit, nothing like that, but I'm just gonna take it easy. Give me a break. I'm not saying a, a needed break. I'm saying when you just sit back and say, you know what, it's not even worth striving anymore. I think Lester Roloff coined the term, it's not, a, it's not a recreation room, it's a battlefield. Who was I talking to before service? Brother Jacob was talking about Miracle Whip and how it's the most disgusting thing man's ever made. As nasty as homemade sin. I heard a preacher say that one time, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> but I thought, that's got to be nasty. But Miracle Whip, my mom and them were down and they, they made it home safely to Nebraska this afternoon. Thank the Lord for that. But they left. <clears throat> and then before they left, they went to the grocery store to pick up some southern staples that do not exist above the Mason-Dixon line or west of the Mississippi. So they had their, their cheer wine soda. They had collard greens. They had tomatoes and okra to go on top of rice. Well, I'm getting hungry. Uh, the only thing they didn't have was fried chicken. But my mom, well, I guess because they got that up there, but my mom went and picked up some Duke's mayonnaise. Hey, man, that, they'll serve that at the marriage supper of the lamb. But I walked in and I said, that ain't, that, that don't look like Duke's. My mama bought light Duke's mayonnaise. I just looked at her. I said, I resign from being your son. I said, mom, that's not the real thing. And she said, she said, I know, but under Weight Watchers, I can eat more of this than I can regular mayonnaise. I just called her a compromiser. Yankee. She go wash your clothes. I have no idea what that has to do with Miracle Whip. But Miracle Whip. What was I talking about? <laughs> Collectively trying to pull you away. I have no idea. Yes, not being the real thing and a substitute of some kind. Just don't buy Miracle Whip, all right? Take anything. When your adversaries arise and assemble, don't get Miracle Whip. Go to the Bible, amen? I was going somewhere, Brother Jacob, but I done forgot. 
I just wonder why you didn't take me to Logan's, Texas Roadhouse today. Went home and ate a turkey sandwich. All right, let me, let me, all right, when my adversaries assemble, do you realize that if we react by taking a break or slacking off, we aren't being spiritual? We're not being, we're not growing spiritually. We are literally giving into the desires of our adversaries, yet I do not decline from my testimonies. Verse 157, verse 158, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. We ought to watch them and say, oh, bother us. We ought not to imitate them. We ought to reach them. It ought to grieve us with what's going on in our country. It ought to grieve us what's going on in our towns, in our, in our schools, in our community. Because we watch people day after day after day after day don't care about the Word of God. We were, a couple days ago, we went down here to that, that thing they built down here. They're having an archery tournament. And I watched as <laughs> kids, you know, from 5 to 18 were shooting bows and arrows and uh, watching them do that. I seen a little girl that goes to Good News Club, Michaela Stillwagon. That girl wide open at Good News Club. I just sat and watched. So I wonder how many of these kids have no idea what the Word of God says. They, they know how to shoot a bow and arrow. They know what the, the teacher teaches, but they have no idea. They'll go and live a life of sin having no idea that there's an alternative. They don't have to go down that way. They don't have to do those things. Boy, it broke my heart for those kids all over again. I was telling my mom that the school, the charter school, offers, I don't know how many after-school activities. We're talking 30, 40 different things. If you, if you can think it up, they have an after-school activity for it. By and large, I think we're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, after-school activity there. Can I say 60 to 70 kids in a lunchroom can get hectic. It can get crazy. But I think about Miss Michaela. I was watching her shoot the bow and arrow, and she's 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 Michaela wherever she is. She's just wild and crazy. But she'll walk in the Good News Club with her head hanging down, upset, mad at the world. And I'll say, Michaela, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't even feel like being here. But she never leaves that way. She'll leave out with a biggest smile on her face, run up, give me a hug. I love you, brother. Take thank you so much for letting me come. Think about another girl who's never heard the story of Exodus. Wanted to know if the Israelites made it through the Red Sea or not. She couldn't wait until the next week to find out. Well, they ought to grieve us. We live in a country that was founded on the principles of the Word of God. There's a whole generation that has no idea that there's even a Bible and, or what it says. It ought to grieve us tonight. Oh, we ought to preach on sin, but it ought to break our heart too. Knowing that those people have no idea the change that Christ can make. When my adversaries assemble, I need to be quickened. Then notice number three tonight, when my attitude needs adjusting, I need to be quickened by the word of God according to thy loving kindness. Look at verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. I read that verse and you can almost hear it in the psalmist's voice. He says, consider how I love thy precepts. Lord, I love your Bible. 
Lord, I love your word. I love your truth. I, I read it. I study it. I mean, I am in love with it. I meditate on it. I let it marinate in my brain, in my mind, in my heart. I spend hours and days just, just in it and reading it and just, just, I love thy word. Quicken me, O Lord, because I deserve it. Quicken me, O Lord, because I've earned it. Quicken me, O Lord, because I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one that loves thy precepts. It's not what he says. He says, quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness thy mercy. And I say sometimes, me and you need to get our attitude adjusted because we serve God. We give him everything we have. And we get upset when things don't go our way. We get mad when we don't get what we think we deserve. It doesn't grow like it's supposed to. It doesn't, it doesn't take off like everybody else has taken off. It, it seems like it's falling apart more than it's getting better. Here the psalmist says, hey, our love for the word of God does not produce arrogance. It ought to produce humility. Lord, I love thy word and I realize how gracious you really are. I realize how merciful you really are. And if that's not our attitude tonight, we're doing something wrong. Hey, I've got standards and I've got convictions. But the only reason why I have a standard and I have a conviction is because God was gracious to me. And God gave me mercy. And God loved me. And he saved me. And the more I read my Bible, and I don't, I don't become a better, I don't become a better me. Joel Osteen's got it wrong tonight. This thing's not about me and you becoming a better person, becoming a better us. It's becoming like Christ and realizing all that God has done for us. Can I say this more? When I read, or this evening, when I read my Bible, I don't get bigger. I get smaller. I realize how, how finite, how, how mortal I really am tonight. Can I say we ought to know what the Bible says? We ought to know why it says it. We ought never become a know-it-all. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of your New Testament, stepped back and said, I have not arrived. I have not obtained. I'm not all the way there. We have no right tonight to sit back and say, we've got it all figured out. The more you love the Word of God, the less you'll think about yourself. You'll realize how great grace really is. You'll spend... All the years like Brother Ron has, saying he sure has been gracious. He sure has been merciful. And I say the more you fall in love with this book, the less you'll fall in love with yourself. The more you'll fall in love with God tonight. Sometimes we need our attitude adjusted. And we need that. We need to be quickened by the mercy of God and by the word of God tonight. Lord, quicken us. When my adversaries assemble, Lord, quicken me when my afflictions arise. Lord, quicken me when my attitude needs adjusting. Let me ask you tonight, do you need some quickening? you need God to breathe some life into some areas of your life tonight? God, quicken me according to thy word. Oh, preacher, we just got to sing the right song and I'll get quickened. Preacher, I just, I just need to have that exciting experience and that emotional outburst and then I'll be quickened. I had had to tell you tonight, no, you need to get in the word of God. And let God speak to you. And let God take the words of life and quicken you again with his word tonight. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for being so true to 